15, Jesus being judged before Pilate. And then in verse 16, the soldiers mocking Jesus and then leading him out to crucify him. And then beginning at verse 21, the account of the actual crucifixion. The word of the Lord. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. This was kind of a, a sedative that they offered him. But he did not take it. And they crucified him. That's all it says. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes... They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. So they said more to each other. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. Then our text, verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last, with a loud cry. Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. So, so far, the reading of God's word. People loved by God, today we remember the death of our Lord. On this day, in Jesus' death, death itself 
confronts us. Death is the greatest fear. I rearranged the fears. We had them here, inadequacy, circumstance, unexplained. But I reversed them. Death is at the top. Death is the greatest fear that we have. Are you afraid of death? I am. I think we all are. We fear death in general. When we hear about someone who has died in our community, we fear it especially when we have loved ones who are dying. And we fear it when our death comes. Death is our greatest fear. How do people cope with that fear? One way our culture copes is not to talk about death. I mean, not even using the word die or death. Even here in Mark, in our text, in verse 37, it does not say that Jesus died. It says he breathed his last. Also in Luke, Luke 23's account of the death of Jesus, it says he breathed his last. And if you have had the experience with someone who died. I've sat with people too as they were dying. And if, if you are waiting for their last breath, that's a, a very close, a very personal time, a very striking time. Are they, are they not, are they still breathing their last breath and then they die? Matthew and John, they both say Jesus gave up his spirit. They also don't say that he died. They say he gave up his spirit, which is again a, a, another step even removed from the last breath. What, what is it to give up your spirit? You can't actually see that so much. The centurion, the soldier in charge of crucifixions, the person very familiar with death in that way at that time, simply says, he died. Jesus died. And that affected him greatly, saying, surely this man was the son of God. But we in our culture use language to soften the hard reality of death that softening is called uh, euphemisms. There's actually a website, never say die euphemism. So other ways of saying someone died. And so the most common is passed away. Someone passed away. And that, that seems less, less difficult, of course. And there are other expressions, euphemisms, the departed. Someone who maybe died accidentally or younger. They met an untimely end. Or, or still in the military with all the Vimy Ridge things too. People who made the ultimate sacrifice. Well, they died. Okay. And we in the, in the faith community, uh, yeah, they entered eternal rest. 
There are all kinds of different euphemisms for die. This morning, we say plainly, Jesus died. And we set that truth in front of us here at the center this morning of our time of worship in word and in sacrament. And that's an unusual thing to do in our culture. To actually put death front and center. Because in our culture, push death away. If someone is ill or, or close to death, in the hospital. And they take care of it there. And, and even, even generally in our culture, funerals are happening less often. People don't even want a funeral. They don't want to be confronted with the, the death even of a loved one. Even the memorial services are becoming less, smaller, simple family gathering. Push it back. Push it away. We don't want it front and center. We don't want to see it or hear about it much at all. The fear of death. Our culture's response is evidence of that fear. People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. It's like if we had our way, no one would ever die. If we had our way, no one would ever die. Let me assure you this morning that, that God would also want it that way, that no one would ever die. That's what God wanted. He created a perfect world where no one would die. That's the way he wanted it. That's the way it was supposed to be. But death came into God's perfect creation through us. Through human beings saying, we don't want that God. We don't want you. We don't need you. And once, once we step back from God's goodness, sin entered in. And the consequence of death entered in. And eternal life became certain death for every single human being. And apart from just a few biblical exceptions, every single person who has ever lived on this earth has died. It's like a, a pollution, a, a nuclear disaster, a, a contaminated world. Everyone, every living thing gets sick and dies. And it's not nice, and it's not right, and deep down, everyone knows something is very wrong with that. Everyone knows that. But then to ignore the problem, is that helpful? The evidence is before us. Everyone is dying. And it doesn't help to say, oh, we'll just ignore it. The Bible, God's precious word of warning and hope, shows us the way out of these frightening circumstances. Our hope is in Jesus. This morning, in acknowledging the fear of death, we can talk about it plainly and recognize God's word through it. Death is frightening. And those that includes various reasons, various levels, 
in the story that we recognize of Jesus' death, we see the element of suffering and pain. Death is often accompanied by suffering and pain, and that frightens us. Death is a painful process. Mark in the gospel describes the crucifixion itself just very briefly. But the things even around it, knowing about it generally and then around it, it's a fearful, fearful thing. If you ask people in relation to death, they will say, I hope I won't have to suffer when I die. You hear people say that. And in our culture too, the welcoming of euthanasia in relation to death so that we remove pain and suffering because that's that's hugely difficult part, scary part. And so that reality is there. The reality of pain and suffering are part of the fear of death. Then there's also that uh, the sense of the unexplainable. What is actually happening in death and after we die? How does that work? For those without faith, the, the, the hope is nothing. After you die, nothing. That's one way of answering those questions. The fear is addressed through denial. Do not talk about it. Do not think about it. Just death, dead and gone. For many others, there is the basic awareness, even if they're not fully people of faith. And there was just a survey done. Uh, I saw it yesterday for the first time, generally across Canada, asking people about aspects of faith in general, aspects of life and death. And, and almost three-quarters have a definite, definite understanding, whether they're people of faith or not, that there is something more. That there is something after this life. And what is that? Brings about the reality of the afterlife into view when you think about death and actual places like heaven and hell that are talked about in the Bible with great certainty especially by Jesus. Some try to suggest they are mere ideas or concepts, but it's clear Jesus believed in the existence of heaven and hell. And so we have hell here as well, death and hell. Hell, the fearful side. For many, this adds another level of fear with death. Bible talks about heaven and hell, angels and demons, a place with God forever and a place without God forever. In the account of Jesus' suffering on the cross, many believe that he endured the agony of hell during those hours of darkness. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's, that's hell where God is not present. Complete separation from the only source of hope and life. 
We believe Jesus endured death and hell on the cross. The Apostles' Creed adds the description, Jesus descended to hell. In our culture, it actually surprises me how often I hear about hell. The word die and death don't come up very much, but the word hell comes up a lot. It be, it's an expression. We talk to people. Are you going to go here? Hell no. They just throw that out. And then if, if you're talking to people too, and, and even, even if you, you listen sometimes, uh, young people, kids, are, are maybe in an argument with another, one another, and in a fight, and one will say, you go to hell. Little kids. Just comes out. Well, people will say, oh, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Oh, what the hell? I'll do this. It's just all over the place. People talking about hell. You wonder why. Maybe an effort to make a fearful reality meaningless expression. Goes along, I think, with the general denial of death and hell as realities. It also interests me that those who deny hell as an actual place, they still talk about heaven as an actual place that they want to go to. But you can't really have the one without the other. So we recognize this morning the fear of death, the fear of hell. How can we be free from this fear? The only hope is to have the death of Jesus at the center of our lives and of our worship. This is where hope lies. Because Jesus confronts the fear of the reality of death and hell for all of us. We remember Jesus' death on Good Friday. We remember his suffering. We realize he endured the very death that awaits us. But in his death, as the Son of God, like the centurion said, he overcomes. He confronts that fearful reality that we are helpless before. And as the Son of God, he defeats that threat in his death. In that sense, he goes ahead of us and we follow him. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, as it says in Psalm 23. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, In him death has lost its victory. Death is not the last word. Death is not our final end. We have the victory in Jesus. And that great truth, faith in Jesus, that he has conquered the conquest that we looked at, he has conquered death and hell is the hope that we have by believing in his death and resurrection. This morning, 
by faith in Jesus, we are given that hope. And we are also by faith assured of our eternal destiny, not hell, but heaven with our Lord. And so this morning we gather around the reality of Jesus' death, receiving again in our remembering the assurance that Jesus has won the victory for us. And that's why it's called Good Friday. Good news for all who believe. Amen. We're going to sing as a song.